Namaste and welcome to yet another episode of the Purna Yog by me, Shikha Pandey podcast. And this season, we have really got into some very interesting conversations. And I'm bringing to you another one today on a topic that is so hot right now, nutrition, right? We all are today looking to lead a healthier lifestyle. Now we are hitting the gym and I hope it's for most of us, it's about getting into a healthy lifestyle and not just about how we look. And when we hit the gym, we also become extremely conscious about what are we eating, right? And we should be conscious about what are we eating irrespective of whether we are hitting the gym or not. But I'm glad that more and more people are talking about it today. It's such an important aspect of our physical well-being and such an important aspect of taking care of this body because it is said that we become what we eat, right? And it's true to a very large extent. So today I have with me Sneha Jen, who is a certified dietitian and she is a diabetes care specialist. She works out of Bay Area in California. Sneha has been practicing nutrition for a decade, that's 10 long years, and there's so much of experience and things that she's seen. She's also a very dear friend, and I have done these conversations with her before, and they've always been so enriching that I couldn't stop myself from bringing it out here. Sneha is a mom of a three-year-old son, and he's so adorable that he gets her daffodils, <laughs> which she did yesterday, and I, my heart is like, oh my God, this is so sweet. She loves to step outside and she likes going outdoor, being in nature. She also loves to create art, which I think is her way of releasing stress and staying connected to her true self. Welcome, Sneha. And it is such a joy to have you back. Thank you. Thank you so much. It, it feels really nice to be able to connect with you again on another platform. And I just want to thank you for this opportunity. Lovely. And so we dive right into it. Saying we do want to know what got you into nutrition, you know, what got you into this place and what has been the journey like? It is, it's, I know it's very interesting. So I would love everyone to get to know a little bit more about you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I remember as a child always being interested in biology and, you know, food and medicine and just how the human body works. And to be very honest, I did want to become a doctor. But, you know, coming from a traditional Jain Marwadi family, I think at the time, my grandfather thought that if you are going to get into higher education and, you know, become a doctor, how are we going to find an appropriate boy for you? Oh, yeah. So he thought it might be just better for you to do something, you know, like a bachelor's degree in biology or zoology or something like that. And, you know, he just wanted me to basically stay there where I come from, which is Ratnagiri. And, you know, we've lived together as a joint family, which is why it was so important that I, you know, take into account other people's opinion. Mm -hmm. And you're young, you don't know, you know, you just follow what your parents ask you to do. Mm -hmm. But I remember having this conversation with my mom and I said, you know, I do not want to pursue biology or zoology. I really want to go out and explore, you know, being away from Ratnagiri. And at that time, Ratnagiri, by the way, is a very small town. It's known for Alfonso mangoes. Yes. But other than that, you know, I've always wanted to step out for higher studies. So I remember one evening I was just sitting with my mom and, you know, drinking chai. And both of us were watching this show called Hello Sakhi, mm -hmm. which was aired on one of the Marathi channels. And Marathi is very commonly spoken in Ratnagiri, which is why we were watching that show. And that show had 
interview had in the host was interviewing a dietitian oh and so my mom said look at this this is so interesting you know you would basically be studying the human body which is what your interest is and you will be studying different disease condition but instead of prescribing medications you would talk to people about food and i think that this is a great amalgamation of your interests and you know wanting to keep it not too out of the reach from my grandfather's perspective you know so to me honestly it sounded very interesting when i thought that it will be a good way for me to learn about human body biology keep my interests but you know also explore the food part of it as opposed to just the medicine part of it and i'm so glad i did because yes. now we realize that food is the cornerstone you know if we do not lead healthy lifestyles no matter how many medications we take it's not going to help us absolutely so then of course i moved to bombay city college of home science where i had the honor of meeting you yes. and many other wonderful <laughs> women who i went to you know school or college with and we lived together in a hostel so i think that was a great experience just stepping out from your home when you're 17 18 and trying to you know find a life for yourself and getting higher education meeting more like minded people meeting people from all over india yeah. i think that was something i really cherish because that was a unique experience for me having come from a small town never been exposed to you know the different cultures so to speak in fact that was the first time i ever came to bombay oh. and as they say you know city of dreams yes. so i ended up staying back there did my graduation did my masters and then also found a job there i was working as a bariatric dietitian mm-hmm. this is 2009 2010 that i'm speaking about mm-hmm. and you know i remember writing articles for mumbai mirror midday at the mm-hmm. time and i think i was doing pretty well in my career very content very satisfied and then life had other plans <laughs> i met my husband yeah. on facebook we got talking chatting you know we thought we had a liking for each other and mm-hmm. so that ended up getting converted into marriage of course wow. and then once i got married i moved to the united states mm-hmm. and then i wanted to really continue my passion for nutrition mm-hmm. uh, so i enrolled myself at san jose state and i got another masters degree in nutrition wow and then i sold host of jobs before i found my passion with diabetes mm. and i wouldn't go into all the jobs that i've had but i just want to mention that i have done everything from weight loss to bariatric surgery to heart health to pediatric nutrition to gi health and then i think when i was exposed to diabetes um i really found passion there because a my grandmother my maternal grandmother has diabetes and i have seen her struggle through the life and b being a south asian we are all prone to developing pre diabetes insulin resistant type 2 diabetes so i felt like diabetes was my calling and then i further advanced my training in diabetes and became a certified diabetes educator so the combination of registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator then opened you know this whole super specialized field for me that i'm so grateful to be serving yeah and that's such a wonderful journey that is so wonderful you know and then we always say that we believe that our life is planned that we can plan it to the t but you know when you stay open and when you have the dreams and then you just have that one backing i think for you your mother yeah. you know that that chat i think it just opened up so many avenues makes you feel that you can do it and it's so amazing and i'm so glad 
that that girl yeah. from that small town had those dreams and the courage to pursue them. I think that is phenomenal, wonderful. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, getting more into, there are so many diets that we hear about. There is keto yeah. and then there is some sort of fasting or the other and, and there's some other change in lifestyle, eat for these many hours or eat only yeah. this and not that. Um, what do you think about this? Because when we look at it, it's completely different from what we have been eating so far, right? It's just a yeah. complete sea change. And it looks to me more like a stopgap kind of a thing that you could do for some time. But can we really yeah. sustain this? And is diet supposed to be a fad or is it supposed to be a lifestyle? And then how would that be different? So really a lot of questions in there, I know. Yeah. But but just an overview, yeah. I wanting to understand as to is this sustainable? The kind of diets that we're talking about or that Instagram is showing us? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that question, you know, because again, this is my opportunity to kind of educate people. And thank you for bringing Instagram and all these diets that are there. So if we look at diet as a definition, what is diet? It is basically the amount of food, organism or an animal or a community of people habitually eat. That is the definition of diet. But the wellness community has really changed this definition to something that you go on and something that you get off of. Yeah. So when I hear people talking about diet, they are often talking about, you know, I have an event to attend, I'm on a diet. I cannot eat that, I am on a diet. I have a wedding to attend, so I am on diet. And typically when I'm hearing people say that they are on a diet, it is with vanity in their mind. I don't really think that they are looking at bodily nourishment. And I think what happens is, because they are looking at a short-term goal, then they get attracted to all these different diets that are in the wellness industry, like you mentioned, you know, mm. keto or intermittent fasting or Weight Watchers, Atkins and watermelon diet and cabbage soup diet. Mm. And, you know, I just see people jumping from one diet to another, one trend to another. And it's so disheartening and sad to see people do that. But you know, they do it because again, we are humans and mm. we want the results in the shortest way possible, yeah. you know? So we think that if we go on one of these diets, then it's going to help us look a certain way and, you know, be a certain way. But what happens is because these diets, as they are called fat diets, are not sustainable. The reason they are not sustainable is because if you look at them, they either ask you to cut out a food group Mm -hmm. uh, like paleo diet will ask you to cut out fruits and beans and only have you eat what ancestors ate but again who who exactly knows what our ancestors ate right yeah and then you'll have keto diet where people will eat high amounts of fat and then you'll have people who are just following no carbohydrate diet and intermittent fasting but the reason this is not sustainable is because over a period of time, people do it for a week, two weeks, one month, let's say six months, and then they start to realize this is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. One of the most common things that I hear from clients who've been on these fat diets is that their social life got affected, you know, they had to seclude themselves because then when you're out, then you cannot eat certain foods and, you know, you have that added stress of following the rules of your diet and not really being able to be present in the moment and enjoy. I've also heard people say they are low on energy. I've had clients who lost a bunch of hair. I've had clients who've developed other health conditions like yeah. high cholesterol from mm. keto diet or uric acid and gout and all of those issues. Mm. That's the reason I feel that these are not sustainable. Mm. 
you know and then when we look at lifestyle lifestyle is different lifestyle is basically working on your goal but slowly and steadily and negotiating with your healthcare provider on what you can do and what you cannot do also lifestyle is not something you get on and get off of once mm. you make that change you're going to live with it which is why it is called lifestyle yeah so a lot of times when i speak to clients and you know they are like i want to get my blood sugars down and you know i've cut out all the carbohydrates and i no longer eat this and i no longer eat that i hear them out but then the only question i ask them is it's fine if it works for you but please answer this question to yourself are you going to be able to do this lifelong and if the answer is no then you will get the results but the moment you come off of it Mm-hmm. you will either gain your weight back or your blood sugars will go back up again so it's extremely important for one to choose something that they can sustain for life something that will allow to look at food as a way of nourishment not something to be feared of not something to punish yourself punish, of yeah. which will allow yourself to have social connections and we eat food for so many reasons nutrition is definitely the most important reason why we eat food but then food also brings cultures together families together you know it's such a nice social experience that people should have so that's my take on you know fad versus lifestyle and i am more towards educating my clients on establishing a lifestyle that will you know allow them to enjoy life you yeah. know yeah i i i completely yeah. resonate with that big time because and that's a beautiful point that you brought out that it's not something it's not a short term thing there there is no shortcuts in life whether it comes yeah. to anything and it's included in our food and our well-being also it's a choice that we make to step into something that is sustainable and and you're still allowing yourself to enjoy life you you know you have we have a long life and if we continue to just keep ourselves imprisoned to an idea or a diet or keep jumping one we don't feel the satisfaction of having done it it doesn't lead to fulfillment yeah. and you know and most of the time people who are on diet are extremely irritated as well right and we see that Absolutely. you know yeah. because you're not feeling good the end is yeah. that you should feel good and your yeah. emotional well-being i think is equally important in keeping you healthy right if you're not feeling emotionally yeah. good about what you're eating but you're eating it because someone's told you that or it's a diet yeah. i don't think it's going to have that kind of a benefit that that eating a regular normal or a lifestyle kind of change that you know you could bring about so that's Absolutely. amazing i hope everyone who's listening understands that there is a difference between a fad and a lifestyle and why a lifestyle is a lifestyle because it is sustainable and you can do it forever right so see how what kind of people typically come to you and um, reason why i'm asking this is we always come to believe you know when we look outwardly that when you have an issue with your health is when you go to a dietitian right because yeah. diet is about yeah. an issue is it for common people as well do you encourage people to consult someone and and get a check done every now and then what what is your yeah. experience when when it comes to dealing with people that you deal with yeah thank you thank you for that question and it's a great question and like you said that people should seek these services before something happens and that's exactly what i think don't wait for you to develop a condition you know just try and eat you know a good balanced diet from the beginning so in first place you do not develop issues but more often than not all of the clients that i see have been referred by their primary care physicians or their endocrinologist for a underlying health condition which could be insulin resistance it could be pcos it could be diabetes 
And the interesting part of this is, you know, even people themselves do not know they have these conditions because mm -hmm. I don't know much about, you know, India per se, but I, I know based on our culture that it's not common for us to visit a doctor for no. prevention. Like no, no. at least in my fam family, I've never seen, you know, my parents excitedly go to the doctor to get their labs done. We always yeah. wait for some symptoms and then we go get labs done. Yeah. And it's the same thing what I see in my clients. You know, I've had a patient who's been to a dentist for a dental appointment and the dentist noticed that there were wounds in the mouth that were not healing. Mm -hmm. And the dentist said, you know, go back to the primary care physician, get your lab work. And then the person gets diagnosed with diabetes. Or I meet, you know, girls in their reproductive age trying to get pregnant, mm -hmm. but not conceiving. And mm -hmm. then they go to their doctor, they get their labs done only to find out they have PCOS or they have insulin resistance, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So because my specialization is now in diabetes, I see all diabetes related clients, insulin resistant and PCOS, PCOS related clients. But again, all of these conditions also coexist with high cholesterol, high triglyceride. So we can club all of these together, you know, and some of these conditions, some of the patients also require to lose weight. Yeah. So those are the clients that I often end up seeing. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. they come to me once they have developed something as opposed to someone who's just coming to me to ask me, you know, how should I eat more healthfully? Yeah, and I think that is so crucial, especially when it comes to food and lifestyle. I think prevention is always better than yes. yeah, reaching cure. a stage of cure. Because yeah. when you're cure stage, then you are going to be bound to not eat things, right? Because they're going to yeah. go all out because we want to get those levels down quickly and because they're yeah. impacting your other stuff. But when you choose yeah. it as a lifestyle, then it's so much more yeah. friendlier. Then you can really yeah. work around stuff. Most then you, definitely. Yeah. Then you can eat that ice cream like maybe once in a blue moon and not feel guilty yeah. about it. But when your yeah. sugar is already very high, nobody's going to tell yeah. you to do that. We'll, the, yeah. Your dietitian will have to work on that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you feel very restrictive. You feel bad about A, having mm -hmm. developed that condition and B, then you have to be on this strict diet and you start feeling, why do I have to do this? And why the other person doesn't have to do yeah, it? You know? yeah, yeah. So I agree with you that I, becomes, I hope. Yeah. yeah. It becomes like a mental, you know, stress as well. And that's not Absolutely. very good for for anything like any kind of stress yeah. is not going to help you get out of the thing it in fact yeah. going to add on to the whole thing most definitely most definitely so say hi i also wanted to you know sort of understand from you 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 specialize in diabetes and there is it's really is is now almost like a pandemic like everybody has it right you talk mm -hmm. to youngsters they're getting it pre-diabetic stages is very very common so why do we get diabetes? And uh, so there are a couple of parts to this question. One is why do we get it? Another is, is it reversible? Can we reverse it? Or is it manageable? How, how easy or difficult is it to manage diabetes? I think these three things is something that if you could shed more light on, it'll be amazing for the listeners, especially those who yeah. know someone or are moving through something like this. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you again for those questions. And I'm just going to answer them partly, like, you know, break them down, just like you've broken down. So I think the first one was why do people get diabetes, right? Yeah. 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 So I think that we 
as a community need to understand that there are different types of diabetes, right? And I often see people get confused between mm. all different kinds of diabetes. So I will just mention the two broad categories of diabetes. One is type 1 diabetes and the other is type 2 diabetes. So let's talk about the type 1 diabetes briefly so that mm. I can put type 2 diabetes more in context for you. So type 1 diabetes is a kind of diabetes wherein your own immune system has attacked the pancreas to a point where the pancreas are no longer making insulin. Mm. So from the time it's diagnosed, which is usually anywhere from birth to 35 years of age, not saying it doesn't get diagnosed in adulthood, but most likely will get diagnosed in the younger population. Mm -hmm. And from the time it's diagnosed, you have to be in insulin. Your body's just not making any insulin. Mm. So you always remain on insulin. And there is a huge genetic component. Like mm -hmm. you, mostly you will find that type 1 diabetes is purely genetic in nature. Very little to, to do with lifestyle, more, mm. to do, more to do with the autoimmune uh, mm. response of your body. Mm. Uh, so that's type 1. Type 2, on the other hand, you know, is a combination of genetic and lifestyle factors. Mm. And when we talk about lifestyle mm. factors, that's where the diet and, you know, exercise and everything come into play. Mm. Type 2 diabetes is also called as the adult onset diabetes because you'll definitely see it as people grow older, you know, they develop these yeah. conditions. Now, mm. in the past, the goal was to screen anybody with 45 years of age or above for type 2 diabetes. But now, like you mentioned, more and more younger population is being diagnosed mm. with it. So they've do dropped the screening criteria to 35 years of age. Mm. And some doctors will also just screen you if you have family history of diabetes. And family history, I mean, you know, your grandparents, maternal or paternal, mm -hmm. or your siblings or your mm. own parents. Mm. You know, if they have diabetes, then you will screen, you will get screened for diabetes as well. Uh, a lot of times, again, I find that type 2 diabetes is also misunderstood and people say, oh, this one got diabetes because look at the diet and he ate too much sugar. Yeah. Now, I just want to say nobody eats sugar to the point where they develop diabetes, but it's not directly causing diabetes. But when we eat a high carbohydrate, imbalanced, you know, high sugar diet, over a period of time, the extra calorie intake happens. Hmm. And when we eat extra calories, you know, we have a fat deposition because mm -hmm. the calories have nowhere to go, yeah. especially when we lead sedentary lifestyle in today's day and age. And so the body starts storing it. And when the body fat percentage goes up, most hormones in your body don't work properly. Mm. So that brings me to the type 2 di diabetes and how different it is from type 1 diabetes is that your body is producing insulin. Your pancreas are making insulin, but your body is unable to utilize it. Like the mm. cells are not responding to it the way it should. Mm. And insulin typically should open up your cell and allow this energy that you've eaten from the food to enter into the cells so that the cells can function. But this function is not happening as a result of which the blood sugars stay in your blood mm -hmm. and cause all sorts of complications. Yeah. And by improving your lifestyle, you can, you know, can manage diabetes very well, especially the type 2 diabetes responds mm -hmm. very well to lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. uh, some people will need medication and depending on the length of your diabetes, you might be managed only with diet and lifestyle or you may need one medication or you may need multiple medication. Mm -hmm. It will all depend on your overall history, your age, you know, how much effort you've been able to put in and you know how much your body is responding to all yeah. of these different treatment modalities that you're using. Mm -hmm. Great.
So that is about the diabetes. And I mm. just wanted to take a pause here and ask if there's anything between the various types of diabetes that you wanted to ask me. No, I think that's great. That is, uh, that's what we wanted to know, know that there are two types. One is, of course, something that you, like you said, you could have from birth and there is really not much yeah. that can be done about it because it's there and you be on insulin and it's yeah. just genetics. Yeah. And while there is a second one, which could be based on lifestyle and yeah. maybe genetics also has a role to play in it, but that's yeah. manageable. Yeah. So does that mean that we cannot reverse diabetes, right? Completely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because both of these have genetic components to it, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the way diabetes progresses, it's a progressive disease, which means you might have normal blood sugars for long periods of time. And then all of a sudden, some stressor in your life will exacerbate those mm -hmm. blood sugars for you again. Mm -hmm. It could be, you know, losing a family member, it could be going through life changing experience, like losing a job or, you know, undergoing divorce and all of these mm -hmm. things place large stress on our body even though you might not feel stressed yeah. and during that time I see that those blood sugars worsen for people even those who've had good blood sugar control mm. and the reason you the reason I don't like the term reversal yeah. is because when we talk about reversal we are almost telling people that you can cure it yeah you know exactly. but you cannot there is mm. no cure for diabetes you can manage mm. it but you cannot cure it yeah. Can your blood sugar be normalized? Yes, there are patients, you know, who have A1C well controlled below 6.5% without medication for three months, mm. who will then be diagnosed with diabetes in remission. Okay. But reversal is more of a gimmicky word yeah. to get people to buy their meal plans, their programs. So I just want to urge your listeners and anyone else who's listening to this podcast to not fall for the word reversal. It sounds good, right? Mm. Whenever someone is promising you yeah. that we'll reverse your diabetes, it sounds very good. And you mm. want to go there and you want to get rid of this part of your life forever. Yeah. But no, the, the, the pancreatic dysfunction stays with you. The gene mm. is always there. Mm. And then even if you're in remission, things can trigger that gene and your diabetes yes. can come back, which is why I like the word remission over reversal. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you brought that out. And, you know, to everybody who's listening and that is such a crucial part, but that's where the entire stress management also comes in play, right? You, you need to actively be able to identify what is it that causes you stress and how can you really work around it to build your resiliency to stress? You know, stress is always going to be there, but your ability to bounce back from it so that it doesn't have these repercussions on something which is already triggered in your body. So you want to be able to take care of yourself and that's a separate conversation all together on managing yeah. stress and we talk about it often on this podcast but it's amazing that you brought that out see I also wanted to because we are on this topic if you could give us yeah. some of the early signs of having developed diabetes if you could mm -hmm. just you know maybe let us know some things that we could keep in mind people could keep yeah. in mind and be aware to get their blood sugar tested yeah. So if you find that your hunger is insatiable, if you are trying genuinely to lose weight, but the weight is not changing, if you have thinning of hair, if you have hair around, you know, your facial region, your mouth, your chin, if you have dark patches of skin on your neck, in your underarms, if you're peeing a lot at night, you know, I think all of these symptoms should warrant doctor visit and mm. you should get your checkup done to mm. see if there is anything 
that might be the root cause of why you're getting these symptoms, please don't ignore them. Your body is always talking to you, yeah. you know. So I think it's important that we listen. Yeah, that that is so helpful. I think most of us don't know about that. And most of us come to know about diabetes when it's already at a stage where it's off the charts, when the blood sugar levels are already off the chart and you find something extreme happening or you go to the doctor for something and you find out, oh my God, I have diabetes. So yeah. it's so important yeah. to know. And I, I hope everyone who's listening is, is jotting that down or keeping that in their mind so that you know they can look at that. So coming back, I just, yeah, sure. sorry to interrupt, no but I just wanted to add, I said weight gain, but unintentional weight loss is also one of the most important signs of diabetes because yeah. people lose weight like 10 and 20 pounds in like two, three months. There's definitely something going on. Get your blood mm. sugar checked. And that happens because your body is not able to use the sugar. So it starts breaking your muscle mass. And that is why you lose weight. Oh. So the weight loss seems very flattering for people, but not all weight loss is good. Good. So if you're losing too much weight, also go to the doctor. If you're gaining weight, despite efforts and losing weight, also go to the doctor. Yeah, I, I think that's that's very important because I see a lot of people who, who are into and eventually they do come up with realizing that they've had diabetes, but there's an immense weight loss. So they're very feeling very happy about it. Yeah. The weight yeah. that they've been trying to lose. Yes. And uh, and I have suggested to one or two people to go and get it checked with a doctor and then they found to have diabetes. So I think another very yeah. crucial point. You need to feel Absolutely. energy is everything that is. Even if you yes. are a few pounds extra, if you feel energetic, exactly. you know you know your body's telling you, I feel good. And that's all that yeah. your body needs to tell you. Great. Absolutely. So from weight loss and weight mm -hmm. gain, coming on to diets again. Yeah. One question that I, I really wanted to ask you, are diets gender specific? Does gender play an important role in diet for a man or a woman or a girl or a boy? Uh, yes and no. There is not a straightforward question here. But what I will say is that, you know, diets are based on your calorie and protein needs, mm -hmm. which will vary depending on which life stage you are in. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, in the first year of your life, you need most calories. And then as you grow older, you need less and less calories. And then again, children grow through growth spurts. Mm. So when they are in elementary, middle school, teenage, you know, their calorie requirements are high until they become an adult. And then your body is more so in a maintenance phase. So then mm. your calorie needs, you know, kind of slow down. Yeah. And for females also, the calorie needs are different based on your age, how much physical activity you're doing mm. and what life cycle you are in. Hmm. Whether you are a teenage girl playing sports, whether you are a reproductive age woman trying to get pregnant, hmm. whether you've given birth, whether you are lactating, all hmm. of these things will change your calorie and protein and nutrient needs. Hmm. And we, you know, need them. We need to know what these needs are hmm. as we go through the life cycle. Yeah. And I think I wanted to bring this question out primarily because we think that you know, we are four people living in a house, all four of us need to eat the same food. While that might be different, because if there's a child, and if there's a teenager, and if there's someone yeah. who is, who is, you know, senior citizen, the food intake yeah. sort of differs, but we tend to yes. always think that, you know, everybody should be eating around the same kind of food, same amount of food, rather, more importantly yeah. than kind. And, and yeah. I, I just wanted to bring that out for that particular Yeah, thing. yeah. So females typically will need less calorie than the male counterpart for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Okay. So coming on to something interesting, something that people can really, you know, relate to. I wanted to understand if you could give us five major mistakes or 
you know, goof ups that we do in our diets in the modern age that we live in. If you could, yeah. you know, just point that out for us so that we know yeah. what are the common places where we tend to go off the radar, so as to say. Yeah, I wouldn't say mistakes, you know, because then I'm judging people for their <laughs> diets. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to be doing that because I always say that, you know, nutrition is a privilege. There are people who cannot have access to high quality ingredients and access to fresh fruits and vegetables for whatever reason. Yeah. It could be, you know, financial region. It could be, you know, where they live in their geographic location, so on and so forth. Mm. But I will say that the clients who come to me, I see a common theme. Mm. One of the themes that I see is not enough intake of fruits and vegetables, yeah. you know, for some reason, uh, they share with me what they're eating. I find that they are commonly not eating enough fruits and vegetables. Secondly, I see that the protein is lacking, especially mm. in Indian vegetarian diet. Mm. Because again, we tend to think that dal is giving us protein, but you know, it's not really meeting your protein needs. Not to say mm. that Indian diet cannot give you adequate protein. Mm. I am a very much a pro when it comes to eating cultural and traditional foods. Yeah. So it can be, you know, sufficient for you, but you need to plan carefully and you need to consciously include protein at every meals mm -hmm. so that's the second thing that i see you know commonly lacking in people diet and then fiber of course so yeah. you know we need to eat more whole foods we need to eat more vegetables fruits whole grains but because of our lifestyles we tend to eat more of convenience and packaged foods which can be often lower in fiber higher in sodium you know so on mm. and so forth mm -hmm. so that would be the third thing i'll say low fiber and then I see, again, I don't want to blame people for this, but I see a very large reliance on restaurant foods, packaged foods, convenient foods. Now, not all convenient foods are bad. Like, for mm. example, I share with my clients that frozen fruit is great for you. Frozen vegetables are good for you yeah. if you don't have access to fresh right. because some of the geographic locations mm. might not have the luxury of fresh fruits and vegetables every day. But what I'm talking about is the ultra processed foods. And this is a separate category. These mm. are the foods which are hyper palatable, mm. uh, very high in salt, very high in sugar. Mm. And then because the kind of environments we live in, there is food everywhere, right? You yeah. go to work, there is food, there's somebody's birthday, you go to the break room, somebody's got some cookies, yeah. you know, and then e evenings, we go out to dinners and drinks and then weekends, we have more social activities gatherings yes. to attend yeah. yeah and I feel like growing up at least I know in growing up in Ratnagiri our food outings were limited to maybe once or twice a month at a yeah, restaurant exactly. you know yeah and even if we had like festivities all of the goods were homemade homemade you know by my grandmother or my mother yeah. so I think that would be the fourth thing a lot of ultra processed food that people mm. rely on and the fifth one I wouldn't say that this is food related but I think people don't move their bodies enough. Yeah. Again, it's not individually that they don't want to do it. But our life has become such that unless we consciously plan for it and unless we decide that this is something I have to do, you mm -hmm. can be sitting on your computer all day all long, long without realizing that yeah. you haven't moved your body. Absolutely. And and so agree to all of these things. And it, it is so important to be aware. Awareness is what is key. And we need good nutrition. We need to move our bodies. And the thing is that we've come to believe that these are just things that you do. 
like these are extracurricular activities that you do but they are really the foundation of our being Absolutely. you know it, it doesn't matter and when we take care of our food when we're feeling good on energy when we're feeling good in the body we moved it you see the things that take you an hour to do would take you probably 30 minutes you know that's how sharp your brain is that's how much blood you've given your body that's how well your cells are working you're feeling nourished you're feeling good your productivity goes up and, and so this is this is actually adding on to your productivity so if you're not doing it and feeling lethargic and not feeling energetic enough it's not going to get you anywhere unless the satisfaction is to do an x number of hours in front of the computer which i don't think is a measure of productivity it should never be right um, yeah. yeah yeah great Siha. it was amazing talking to you and that Thank was you. all that i wanted to ask you if there's something that you want to add and you know leave us all with please go ahead. It's, it's been so informative. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to say that don't look for more information. You know, the information is already there. Just build up the confidence to put all of this knowledge and information that you have into action. Yeah. Unless you take action, nothing is going to happen. You can spend hours on Instagram, Google and TikTok looking for all kinds of diets, all kinds of biohacks. But like Shikha mentioned, you know, in the beginning that there is no shortcut. Yeah. And there are no hacks. You have yeah. to put in the hard work. And it all boils down to your foundation, which is sleep, good food, you know, movement, maybe stress, yeah. stress management, hydration, yes, time for hobby and fulfillment. Yeah. Because yeah. health is not just the number on the scale, hmm. but it's your mind, body and soul connection. And it's yeah. high time that we zoom out and take out the focus just from the number on the scale to our overall health. Wonderful. I think that would be it. Yeah, and that really sums it all up, you know, so much information. Like we say, all the things that we get on WhatsApp and Instagram, if we follow like 10% of it, yeah, we would like, you know, consciously thinking that the 10% is the good stuff that we picked up, uh, our life would be different. We would be, we would be leading such fulfilled lives. So beautiful, Sneha. Thank you so much for doing this. (laughs) And to everybody listening, you know, we do these things because we really want to bring in the thought process. Beyond this, every action that's going to be taken is to be taken by you. In case you need any support, Seha is available. I'm going to share all her coordinates. You can follow her on Instagram. She has some one of the most amazing accounts when it comes to recipes. And someone like me who's not so much into cooking still gets inspired because they're simple and they're healthy and they're nourishing and they're doable. Right. So she is known as the vegetarian dietitian, right? If I've not got yeah. it wrong. And, yeah. uh, and yeah. so a lot of inspiration for vegetarians like me to get some protein and good food into our systems. Thank you so much, Sneha, for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. It was a joy answering all the questions and just having this very candid conversation. You know, I mean, Instagram is great and there's so much that you want to say, but you have to restrict yourself to the real size and the minutes. And sometimes you cannot get all the information out there, right? So thank you for giving me this opportunity to be on your podcast and have this heart-to-heart conversation. Thank you. And I'm so glad your passion always shines through. It shows in the twinkle in your eyes how much this means to you. And to everybody listening, take care of yourselves. Like I always say, I wish you well-being. And through that, everything is possible. Lead a fulfilling life. Take care of yourselves. Not because you have to, but because you deserve. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.